That's right, Rashawn McDonald. Welcome to my show, Money Making Conversation. <laughs> Each Money Making Conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I am the leading voice in this industry for entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That is because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because all these stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your planning and your committed effort. My guests on Money Making Conversations have that same passion and they share that information when I talk to them about their careers, what's motivating them, what's uh, what are they promoting and how they live a balanced life. Then they reveal to me their secrets to success. My next guest is a two-time Billboard 40 Under 40 power player. In his career, he has overseen the development of many notable artists and brands, including Anita Baker, Emily King, Corey Henry, Luke James, Michelle Williams, Miguel, Cooling the Game, Lecrae, Leon Thomas, festivals like Outside Lands Music Festival, and many more. He is an artist manager, founder of Culture Collective and Culture Collective Records. Please welcome back to Money Making Conversation, my man, Jonathan Azur. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, man. Got a, it's a, hey, man the, the, the intro only gets bigger every time you come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I appreciate the, 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 the invite to, to be back on the show speaking with you. Well, you know, the great thing about uh, watching your brand and and it's all about reinventing yourself. You know, you're doing this, this, this process, and then all of a sudden you see an opportunity but there's always a, a possibility that, that shift may not work. In the process of mm-hmm. how you're building your brand and, and leading talent, but also recognizing that you are a brand and a talent too, how do you separate the difference? I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've, I've always considered myself personally a brand, right? And, and you know, I, people ask me, what do you do? And I, and I usually say, well, I'm a, I'm a marketer at heart. Right, but I'm an artist manager, right. and I apply that market that, that approach to marketing as it relates to my my dealings with my clients, but also as it relates to myself as a brand. And I I, I used to always think about myself like a, a blank cereal box, right? right. And mm-hmm. Walking down the aisle of a grocery store, you know, what are the what are the things, what are the images, the colors, what's on the side of the packaging that is going to make somebody to say, I want to I want to buy that, or I want to do business with that person. And um, you know, I think about one of the elements that make up. Jonathan Azu, what are the elements that make up Culture Collective? Mm-hmm. And I think about that packaging and the things that we want to apply to it. And that's all marketing. Yes. Right? That's all marketing. That's all brand development. Right. Um, and we apply, that, we apply that, same, that same approach to working with our clients as well as uh, ourselves. Well, you know, uh, the good thing about it, I know a lot of your clients. And uh, just a little side note, Anita Baker, giving you the best that I got. My wife and I got married on that song. That was our song at our wedding. So, you know, I always wanted to tell Anita, whenever I meet her, I'm going to hug and say, Thirty-two years later, we still together, Anita. And your song, your song helped us out. And so, but you know, congrats to you then. By the way, thank you. Thank you. It really, I appreciate uh, what you're doing. Let's 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 define what uh, from uh, when our, my research. Uh, you founded Culture Collective in 2019. The importance of Culture Collective, as regards to urban artists, make up less than one percent of the client base at stations uh, at top firms nationwide. So. Just a drive to understand that that urban artists are underrepresented in a field that they they, they may dominate, and so that's what the basis absolutely. of your development, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, as, as somebody that sat at the top of major organizations 
and had an opportunity to look down at, you know, what, what's, what's coming up next, what's, what's having a cultural impact, but then also who's working on it. I saw this massive lack of diversity and inclusion um, within the corporate ranks of these bigger companies. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, you look at the artists that are, that are the, 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 the trendsetters and laying the pavement in today's generation. And, you know, they look like us, right. And right. the people that are representing them do not, not that, that it's, it's necessarily a, a, a race thing, but ultimately from a cultural perspective, you want to be able to look across the table and know that you're, that you're, you're, um, you know, somebody really connects with what, what you're doing. So I, I started Culture Collective with that mindset, the mission statement, where diversity and inclusion is how we think about who we work with and how we hire. Right. And my goal is to really, really have a well-represented set of team members that can sit with our clients and come up with the concepts and ideas to build their career. And that was the birth of Culture Collective. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. It's been almost a year. Since we last spoke, yes, sir. Uh, I joke that we, we still have that new car smell, <laughs> you know, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're in, but we're, you know, we're having we're having a lot of fun and and being entrepreneurs, we get an opportunity to look at opportunity spaces that um, that need to be filled, and within that, we we have some clients that were in between record labels, right? Uh, they didn't have partners to put out music, but they have very very portion careers and touring and other other aspects of what they were doing, but they just didn't have a partner put out music. And I started to look at why why can't we put out that music? And what are the barriers and entries of us putting out that music? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, we started Culture Collective Records with that in mind. And right. uh, we, we we partnered with Ingrooves, which is a universal company, mm-hmm. to help make sure that our artist music is available across all digital service providers. And we work closely with their team on the marketing and promotion of those artists. And Luke James, who's a longtime client, is the first artist to be released through this new venture. Right. Um, his new album, To Feel Loved, was released on January 31st. Um, to Feel Loved, excuse me, was released on January 31st. And uh, we not only are the managers for Luke, but now we're probably the record label for Luke. Well, you know, the interesting part of why I maintain the relationship with you because of the visionary relationship that I feel that you're bringing to the industry. When you talk about the limited recognition of, you know, urban talent, African-American talent, a talent of color, how we participate, but we seem to be bottled in. You know, I know, I know that for a fact because I executive produced and create, co-created the Steve Harvey Morning Show and I was on there from 2000 to 2016. So I know how the music industry can, industry can play itself out. And what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, you know, we always get underrepresented. For instance, we have June as our Black Music Month. You know, June is Black Music Month. Okay, then you look at the Music Month for everybody else. You have the Grammys, you have American Music Award, you have Billboard, you have Howard Radio. We're not even talking about country and western. And then BET Music Award is basically our award show when we should have more. You know, we you know that's the area that I really want to start talking to you about. How can we get more visual representation in our award shows on television? Because that is necessary. We we have to have more than just BET Awards. Am I mistaken when I say that, Jonathan? I agree, and I think it's interesting. It's an interesting point because I think that part of that more is our culture in in brands coming to life mm-hmm. um, in, in in more ways than just you know our award show. I mean, BET Awards. I mean, one of the most coveted award shows, absolutely um, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Hip Hop Awards as well. And when you look at the Grammys, the AMAs, and all these other shows. It's important for us to be able to have a presence within those environments too, 
um, and not be underrepresented. And I think part of that is making sure that we do have people that represent our culture within the executive ranks of these companies so they can hire the right folks and be in the right room for these conversations to come to life. And this is about business because one of the big things about the Grammys this year was diversity. And uh, P. Diddy made a big deal on stage <laughs> doing his speech about diversity. Now, explain to the people why it's important to have diversity in music behind, you know, behind the performance, behind the talent. I mean, so, I mean I'm going to go back to last Grammys because this is something that was, was, that was well talked about. Uh, not, right. not this past Grammys, not 2020, but 2019. Mm-hmm. And there was, a Motown, there was a Motown tribute. Right. So a lot of people had a lot to say about. And most of that was around the fact that we weren't well represented within that tribute. Okay. And um, I think that sometimes that can happen <laughs> if we don't have the right people in the room to make sure that our culture is really, really uh, represented. Yeah. Um, the wrong so, people singing uh, Motown hits, right? The wrong, just because you're trying to get a hit, don't just throw somebody out there singing something that's not, that's not that, that, that they shouldn't be singing it. Correct. Yeah. Or, or, or has no, has no real time. <laughs> Has no real tie to the to the to the history of Motown, right? So you know, I, I, I think um, you know, I think it's, it's super important at the end of the day, and, and you know, creating culture collective is just my way of of, of helping to break that cycle um, and really develop the, the, the next executive. I mean, we focus a lot around hiring young talent and hiring interns and mentoring uh, right. the folks. I, I always say that the ways in, the ways into the world of Jonathan Azu and Culture Collective right. are <laughs> as high touch as negotiating um, deals, uh, partnering on, on deals, right. on dads to just inspiring each other. Well, you know, right? it's, re- it's really uh, it's so special when I talk to you, Jonathan, and, and the fact that, you know, I am meeting and talking to so many minds like you, you know, whether it's a Charles King at, uh, at Macro, and now he's starting a management division of his company, and, you know, you're visionary. And, and I know that this year we're all going to meet in the room. Because I because it's it's the, it's the, you know we, we have to talk this conversation even what Byron Allen is doing you know you know he's talking about you know it's a, it's a group of people make a decision for everybody that don't look like everybody and so and I'm not trying to turn this call into a uh, a war path call but it's an information call about the fact that if you really want to be successful in any business you have to be allowed to participate and so that's what you're trying to get and that's what you're saying in starting the, the management firm that you have and what you've done all your life, correct? Yeah. You know, I, I recently, uh, on, on Martin Luther King Day, I got together um, about 20, the last-minute thing. You know, I, I was supposed to be traveling on that day. I thought I was actually be in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I went ahead and I shot out a, a, an email to about 30 or so folks within my network, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, senior-level executives at their company all down to interns and said, you know, I want to, I want to treat everybody to dinner. Let's get in a room, close the door and let's have a conversation, how we can lift ourselves. Right. Right. Um, an open conversation. And it was a beautiful thing. And it's something that needs to happen more and not just on MLK day, but needs to happen every single day. Right. Uh, for us to be able to share with each other the insights, guidance, knowledge that we have in the struggles of how we lift ourselves within entertainment. Cool. Um, uh, oftentimes, you know, one of the things that came out in that in that conversation was people are like, "Well, it's not just in my head, you know. Uh, this other, this other, you know, leading leading voice in that space is is, is experiencing the same challenges. So I'm not crazy, right? Right. 
because when you're sitting in these environments and you're the only one of color, you often can get inside, <laughs> inside your own head and think that it's just me. Right. Cool. We're talking to Jonathan Azul. He's the founder of Culture Collective, started in 2019. And guess what? He's rolling with uh, partnerships he's created with InGrooves. We'll be back with more on Money Making Conversation. This is awesome. Again, collective minds, collective thoughts, generate success. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you are listening to Money Making Conversations. I'm talking to Jonathan Azul. Uh, he founded uh, Culture Collective uh, in 2019. And right now, I want to talk about the current artist roster that includes Emily King, Luke James, Leon Thomas, and my favorite person and good friend, Michelle Williams. Talk about your roster and why are those particular people on your roster? Uh, you know, for me, I, I got into this business because I have a passion for it, and um, I was able to take a passion and turn it into a profession, and that includes the artists that I work with. I'm, I'm, fan. I'm a fan. Right. Everyone <laughs> I've ever worked with in my career, I've been a fan of. I've mm-hmm. never once worked with somebody that I was, like, handed. Right, <laughs> said, right, right. Work right. on this. I know you're not into it. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm passionately, passionately a fan, and each one of those artists that you mentioned um, are all – always been on my playlist. Right. So it's exciting. It's exciting to be, to, to be working with them. It's exciting to experience growth. And, you know, as you know, being an entrepreneur and successful business executive yourself, growth is a, is a, is a, is a powerful world word. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we develop a lot of really great blueprints and roadmaps to help, to help, help, uh, help growth. Right. right. And that's from a bottom line standpoint. That's from an audience reach standpoint. That's from a streaming standpoint, from a ticket sales standpoint. Uh, and each one of those artists has had great growth over their, their, their careers working with us. Well, it's really important. That, uh, when I'm looking at you, when I, when I introduced you, we were talking about your, the brands that you've seen, overseen the development. Anita Baker, Emily King, Luke James, Michelle Williams, Miguel, Cool in the Gang, Lecrae. That's my man right there. So that's, that's gospel, gospel. That's Miguel. That's hip-hop, Cool in the Gang. You know, there's R&B, Anita Baker, there's sultry R&B. You know, okay, that's that's a love affair of music. That means your playlist is like you grooving and you're popping and then you're praising the Lord. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's soul food in some form or fashion, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really, really important. That, so what do you see the direction of music? Like I was at, I was at NAPT, that's the National Association of Television Programming, Programming Executives, and podcasts was just a rage. You know, we know streaming out there came out and exploded. And uh, now podcasts is the rage of not just the audio version, of, but the video version of podcasts is next level. With that. You'll, you'll see that more and more being, being spoken about because they realize the generation really don't care about an 85-inch screen on the wall. They really don't. They care about what's in their hand. And right now, what's in hand is things they're willing to download, willing to play, willing to carry with them. What is the future of music in that in that particular era or that particular space, or does it stay the same? Yeah, I, I think you know. And then just to just to build on what you're saying, they want it when they want it, where wherever they're at, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, right. So, so if I, I want to listen to a podcast. Uh, I don't. I don't want to have to to schedule it. I, if I want to, if I'm sitting on the bus on the way home, I can pull it up on my phone, whether it be audio or visual. Right. Uh, at that time, that's the time that they want it, and it's almost like you know, music, music, and in and in streaming music really was the leader in that behavior, that adoption, that behavior of you know, you know, what I want, what I want, when I want. 
Right. Um, and now you're seeing it start that to layer through other forms of media. Um, as far as you know, you know, music streaming is obviously beginning to, to have an aggressive growth. When it first came into into to fruition, um, you know, there was a lot of different companies trying to figure out streaming, and I always felt that once it was all said and done, there would be a handful left, right? You know, maybe a few. Mm-hmm. It was we're proving that to be the case between Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify, and now we kind of have the three, the big three, for the most part. Um, there's a couple other smaller ones within that that those, that fourth and fifth and sixth position, but ultimately, this is how people consume music, and now you're starting to see, you know, as, uh, you know, as 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 older older audiences get older and younger yes. artists start to come into the consumption mix, right? Streaming will only get bigger and bigger. You know, it's really interesting. I, said, I look at your resume. I see it's t- you're tied to festivals. Are you tied to festival as a person who supplies talent or as a producer? So I, I uh, after many years working in radio myself, uh, I went over to a company called Superfly, which was a which was a group of of, of guys that graduated in Tulane that had come up with the concept of putting a large scale right. music festival together uh, in the United States that was built off of the Glastonbury. Right. So what what happens when you when you drop 60, 70, 80,000 people into a, a field and you build multiple stages and multiple experiences within that environment right. and live, live on that property for that, that site for, for three to four days. Mm-hmm. And that was the birth of Bonnaroo. And I went into work with the team that actually put that festival together. I wasn't on the talent buying side. I was more on the operational side, but all aspects of the festival fall underneath operations. So we had a very, very good preview of, 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 of talent and, Who's coming up? One of the funner things that, that I do around my house is I have all the old posters mm-hmm. from all the shows that we produced, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, you know, you know, billing for for a show is always <laughs> a fight of like who's at the top of the poster, who's at the bottom of the poster, right? Right, right. Um, right. And it's interesting to look at the bottom of the poster for some of these previous years and looking at the artists that are down there uh, that have now you know arrived to the top of the, poster. the top of the list, you know, in two thousand and twenty. <laughs> Yeah, like Miguel, I, I, way back in, yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying? Wow, I think uh, Drake uh, about to break his record or something on, on, on AirPlay or something like that. It's really That's amazing. Funny when 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 the first tour I, I did with was Miguel. Uh, I can't remember the year, but Miguel was direct support to Drake, right? So mm-hmm. Drake was the headliner. It was, it was a Would You Like a Tour, right? Tour, right. Drake and Drake was the headliner. Miguel opened and Future. Was the uh, was the was the first act? It <laughs> so, has to shake out. Oh my God! Well, you know, it's, it's, that's the beauty of of seeing the beginning and watch it come to the end, or watch the path of growth, and you go, you know, because you know everybody has that hustle, that hustle, that hustle. And you like, I I I met Miguel because it's out of L.A. when we were, Steve and I was doing local radio, hip hop, and R and B. When he was when he was when he when he was fi- trying to find his voice, getting his music out there. And I look at him now, I go, wow. It's been that many years, and he still got the passion to win. He still has the passion to say, "I'm going to be number one. I'm going to be successful." That's a drive. When you when you manage talent, I always tell people like right now, I'm managing Stephen A. Smith. You know, for many years, people have known me to actually 16 or 20 years. I managed Steve Harvey and built his brand to a media media international media brand. But it's a lot of work when you manage talent. A lot of people don't understand that. Talk about your version or your skills or are the things that you put in place so you can manage the different talent that you have? Yeah, I think for me, you know, it, I, I'm at an inter- interesting intersection because I spent many years in, in media. You know, do, you know, I was essentially doing label relations, 
um, in developing interesting partnerships for CBS Radio corporately. So we had 180 radio stations, 50 program directors. And then I leave that world and I go into the live event festival business when festivals were just really t- starting to take off in the United States, right? We were, we were pioneers in that space. And now you see a lot of festivals out there, but we were the first to be there. And then to jump over and help help to run Red Light, which, you know, eventually became one of the biggest management companies in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this, like, I'm sitting at this interesting intersection where I had the ability to be able to go in there and work with artists. And when things come up as relates to their career, I'm one phone call away from, you know, you know, figuring something out in the right. live event space, in the media right. space, technology space, or the managers. I've been around there. I've been around all these places. So one of the things that I always try to bestow upon the young executives that work on my team is let's get you as diversified as possible, right, in your skill set and right. your ability to be able to um, speak from a strong standpoint of various topics of business because you have experience within those worlds. And you mentioned it. You said, I hear you, radio, you know, red light. You talk about management which means you see contracts, which means you, you're dealing with uh, decision-making situation. When you talk about the festivals, you talk about the operational end. You know, that, those, those things like, uh, really help you out. I'm a sitcom writer, just myself. I'm a stand-up comic, so I understand talent. I'm the go- I manage shows. I produce shows. So when I walk in a room, there's a lot of information that I can absorb rapidly and make decisions associated with it. And that's all you're saying to young people as they come into or being mentored by you. The more you know, the more diversified your palate is for information that you've absorbed through experience. That's how you have longevity in this business and respect in this business. Correct, Jonathan? That's absolutely right. You know, that's absolutely right. And, and respect is a big thing. I mean, you want to, you know, you know co- conduct and character and respect ultimately. That's all businesses, but especially within entertainment, especially as a minority with entertainment, you want to make sure you preserve that in the best way possible. So conducting yourself in the most positive upbeat, respected, professional manner possible, mm-hmm. you can do nothing but grow. Well, that's your approach. Well, my great, my friend, just recap a little bit about your partnership with InGroove before we wrap up the interview. Uh, that you, you have Culture Collective Records, you have a partnership with InGroove. Talk to us about, again, why was that launched in that manner and what's the future? Yeah, Luke, so Luke James is a, is a client that we've worked with for, for many years and Luke um, was, was a former major label artist and for various reasons had left the Island Records um, uh, label, which is a major record label, and here, here he was sitting with a, a, a bank of beautiful music to put out and nobody to partner with to do it. Um, and, you know, we're, as his managers, dealing with him on a daily basis on developing his roadmap and his career. So, well, what if we just develop a strategic relationship and let's look at the music out? We'll, we'll be the label, right? right. Um, and I, I, I've done some work with injuries in the past, a lot of great success with them. And when I sat with them and launched Culture Collective a little less than a year ago, I went over to their offices and shared the vision and the mission statement of the company. They thought it was great. They thought it was very much needed in the business. And at the same time, I said, if there's any way in which we can be helpful um, to you or your clients, we should have a larger conversation. And that was you know, the, the, the birth of our first, uh, uh, you know, you know, brainstorms around coming together to develop a pipeline for us to be able to put music out through their system. So uh, fast forward eight months later, you know, Luke James is going to be putting out his release through the, the Ingrid Universal Pipeline into digital service providers. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the, we are the, you know, working with Ingrid's um, on all aspects of this release. And uh, it's been great. It's awesome. been a great, great relationship. Awesome. As always, articulate, informative, and uh, spewing out the knowledge we all need to hear. Jonathan Azul. 
Thanks for coming back on Money Making Conversation. We'll talk again. Let's say another six months. Is that cool? Absolutely. I appreciate you, brother. Talk soon. Bye-bye.